This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas today. And staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News, so we'll jump right to him. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So this story is rather peculiar. A cruise ship halted a rocket launch down in central Florida. I love this story because, you know, I have long said that nothing comes between a cruise ship passenger and their drink package. And it turns out that that includes the launch of a rocket. (laughs) So the rocket was counting down. It was SpaceX and they were going to put a satellite up in orbit and they were in mid countdown. They got down to 33 seconds and all of a sudden the countdown was interrupted because Harmony of the Seas had wandered into the uh, no-go zone. We don't know exactly yet how that happened because, you know, there's people who are supposed to coordinate all that and make sure exactly that thing doesn't happen. So the main concern is that, you know, if the ship is, uh, if the rocket is taking off and something falls off of it or something goes wrong, you don't want it to fall on, you know, something like oh, say, a giant ship that happens to have sailed into the wrong area. So something definitely went wrong here. There was a lack of communication somewhere. I kind of have to think someone is going to get fired for this, or at the very least, they'll get a fine. Yeah, well, the fine is $5,000 for, um, I guess, disobeying a notice to mariners from the Coast Guard. So I'm curious to see if Royal will get their hand slapped or get the $5,000 bill. Honestly, it feels like they're going to spend more than $5,000 doing an investigation. They might as well just write a check for $5,000 and we can all move on with our lives. For sure. And Australia's loss is our gain here in Florida. Yeah, so the Carnival Spirit has been sailing out of Australia since 2012, but she's now going to be deployed right to your neck of the woods to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, that means for the first time in a decade, U.S. citizens will be able to sail on a, on this classic ship out of the U.S. So the reason for the deployment is really simple. Australia has been had their cruise industry shut down even longer than we have, and it doesn't look like they're going to be resuming anytime soon. At the earliest, it'll be May of 2022. So Carnival sort of said, we're just losing money with this ship sitting over there. Let's you know bring it home and have her sail out of Jacksonville, and that'll start on March 7th. Now, I hear what you're asking. You're saying, wait, what does that mean for Carnival Ecstasy? Because that ship is normally based in my backyard. Well, that ship is now going to move to Mobile, Alabama, beginning March 5th. Wait, I hear you. You're saying, but wait, what does that mean for Carnival Sensation, which usually sails out of Mobile, Alabama? Well, that's a very, very good question, and that one we don't have the answer to yet. Um, it's interesting. You won't find the answer on the website either, because if you go to the website uh, as of we're, when we're recording this, they still have sensations sailing out of Mobile um, in March and April, but that definitely won't be the case. So we don't know where that ship is going yet. Maybe they'll put that one on hold or send it into dry dock, and maybe that will go to Australia when it's time to start sailing there again. Uh, you know, uh, you just don't know. But that's where we stand right now with these ships. And Disney Cruise Line has changed its COVID policy for guests who have had the virus just before the sailing. This one, I will admit, I don't truly understand. And it 
almost freaks me out a little bit. So basically what they do is they're, they have something called 90 day recovered and people who are considered 90 day recovered won't have to take the COVID-19 test during the pre-sale embarkation or disembarkation phases of their sailing. Now, in order to do this, there's, you know, quite a few steps you have to go through, really. But you have to have a copy of your previous COVID-19 test result. Um, it has to have been from greater than 11 days, but less than 90 days from the sale date. Uh, the test has to have been like an antigen or a rapid PCR, and the test result has to include your date of birth on it. You also have to have a signed letter, you know, like really official with uh, all the right information from a public health official saying that you have recovered from COVID-19 in the last 90 days and are clear for travel. Um, the reason I guess this confuses me is I've there are so many things out there right now that, you know, the science is constantly evolving. You can get COVID again. So I don't really understand. I guess the problem that they're having is once you've had COVID, even though it's cleared out of your system, you might still test positive because it, you know, I guess, I guess the antigens they test or whatever linger in your system. But this is the way they're sort of getting around it. The one thing that does not change is no matter what, you still have to be vaccinated and you have to also upload, you know, your proof of vaccination, that kind of stuff. So 90 day recovery is a thing, though. So if you've had COVID up to 90 days, let's say before your cruise, you still have the antibodies. It's like having chicken pox or the flu. You're still carrying a trace of that in your body. So you're going to be turning out or you could turn out positive if you test right there at the port. You'll be denied boarding and all that stuff. So this is their way around that. I don't understand is how do you know that they haven't tested positive because they've got it again? Because, you know, we we do know that you can get it again. Maybe maybe you can't get it again in 90 days. I don't really know, but it just, the whole thing seems a little odd to me. It'll be interesting to see if other cruise lines follow this same example. And the former ocean liner Queen Mary turned hotel over in Long Beach, California. They could be reopening their doors this year. It could. Um, it's been closed since 2020 and the city of Long Beach has said that they're, you know, the, the city has taken control of the ship again and they are saying that they are ready to make the very critical repairs that have to be made before it can be open to the public again. Uh, they're going to hopefully start phase one in February. Uh, it's anticipated that it'll be completed later this year at some point, but they don't know exactly when. And so therefore they can't say when the ship will be open. Interestingly, even though it's not open to the public, it is still open for filming. They do a lot of um, filming on that ship. Uh, in fact, you're, and they have for years, years and years and years ago, uh, Bold and the Beautiful taped a fashion show on the, on the Queen Mary. It's one of the most famous sequences they ever did. But so you can still film there, but it's not open to guests. One of the things that's interesting is that this $5 million renovation project has, um, you know, there's a lot of things that have to be fixed. And one of the ones that I thought was kind of the coolest is they have to remove the light lifeboats because the lifeboats are sort of deteriorating. And as they do that, they're getting heavier and it's causing structural strain. So they will remove them. Some of them they're going to um, put in storage while they figure out whether, you know, museums might be interested in them. And uh, at least two they're going to keep. And they haven't said exactly how they're going to use them, but they'll probably use them as some part of the restoration. But this will be um, a fun project to kind of watch as it unfolds and see what changes they make. For sure. And Royal Caribbean returns to Labadee. Fun fact, it's not called Labadee, which is something I only learned about 12 seconds ago. On Thursday, 
they welcomed our first big ship back. It was Harmony of the Seas. So it's been a busy week for Harmony of the Seas. Not only did it go to Labadee, but it also stopped a rocket launch. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that, that ship is that ship is in the news this week. Um, but they took they had about 3,000 guests on board um, and 2,000 crew members. It was the first time a ship has visited the island since March of 2020. I've never been to Labadee, but you know, I guess one of the things that's really popular to do there is they have the world's longest zip line called Dragon's Breath, and they also have a coaster that like goes down the hill, the Dragon's Tail coaster. Have you done those? I haven't done the Alpine coaster. I mean, I've done one like that in Jamaica, but I did do um, Dragon's Breath or whatever it's called, that flight line, and that was pretty cool. You come in pretty hot. Like if you don't slow down, you could <laughs> you could get hurt. All right, good to know. I guess I won't be doing that anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great destination, though, right there on the uh, northern part of Haiti. A lot of people think it's an island, but really just a peninsula resort destination, whatever you want to call it. But now that I've done Perfect Day and Labadee, I would probably choose Labadee over Perfect Day just because it's a little more chilled out. And how about this couple from New Orleans that uh, rolled off the ship with about 500 pieces of illegal things? Okay, we started with my favorite story because it was about, you know, a rocket ship being stopped by a cruise ship. And now we're ending with my second favorite story, which is this New Orleans couple. They're coming off a ship, and we don't know exactly which one. We think we've sort of narrowed it down, but we don't want to say because we could be wrong. Um, This actually happened back in December, but the details are really just coming out now. It turns out that while they were on their cruise, which stopped at several, you know, of the exotic ports in the Caribbean, that we all go to, they amassed 47 sea sponges, five of those giant conch shells, 297 other kinds of shells, some corals, some, they they just had like, I don't even know how many suitcases they would have needed (laughs) for all of this. And they said that it was for quote unquote art projects. Uh, And Mm -hmm. as they were passing through the terminal in New Orleans, uh, you know, one of the uh, officials noticed them, pulled them over, opened their suitcase and was like, "Uh, yeah, you're not supposed to have all this. It was all confiscated and turned over to the Fish and Wildlife Service. The couple could have gotten in quite a bit of trouble because what they it, it is illegal to bring that stuff into the country. But they actually were let go and warned that, you know, this is your first offense. If you do it again, you'll get in trouble next time. But this should be a good reminder to all of us when where, you know, how often have you been walking along the sea and you find some shells and you pick them up and you want to bring them home? You know, don't do it. You'll you'll get in trouble. Same thing with the pink sand in, in the Bahamas. You that is illegal for you to take that because if everybody took it, there would be nothing left for the next ship full of people to see. You know, it's it's it would be funny if they were started dumping all those shells in the amnesty bin right there before customs. And <laughs> <laughs> actually, and oh, yeah, would, we're not supposed to have these guys. We should dump these. <laughs> think about it. It's the amnesty bin. So if you're dumping stuff like that in the bin or you're dumping a bag of weed in there or something, is it really the amnesty bin? Well, I guess it's sort of your last chance to not get caught. You know, right. like if you walk past that amnesty bin and you have it, well, then you're in trouble. Like maybe you had second thoughts the whole plane ride over. You're like, uh, or the whole ship ride back. You're like, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have done this. This gives you a chance to get rid of it before you get caught with it. Yeah. Flush it on the toilet or throw it overboard. <laughs> um, listener question comes from Randy. I've never taken a cruise before, but I'm finally biting the bullet on booking one. I'm wondering what's the best piece of advice for a first time cruiser? 
Oh, geez. You know, we get asked a lot of questions like that. And there are about 5,000 things I want to sit down and tell a first-time cruiser. But I'm going to, instead of one, I'm going to give them two. First of all, because of the time we're in right now, make sure that you really are prepared for what a cruise will be. You know, you will probably have to wear a mask and, you know, that all the protocols that are going on right now. For some people, it's no big deal. Um, I, you know, I've got a cruise booked in March. I can't wait. I'm really excited. Um, would I rather we not be sailing with all the protocols? Of course. But I kind of know what to expect. Don't book a cruise based on the itinerary because the itinerary could change. You know, be if you're going to cruise right now, you need to be really flexible. Aside from that, even if we weren't in this, you know, particular time of life, probably the biggest piece of advice I would give someone is to make sure you know what cabin you're booking. And by that, I mean, you know, do a little research. You hear about people who get so upset because they wound up underneath a bowling alley or above a restaurant and it was too noisy. It's very easy to go online, look at deck plans, figure out exactly where you want to be. You know, if you're thinking that, you know, maybe you'll get an upgrade later, don't count on that. Book the room that you want and that you will be happy with. If you happen to be able to get an upgrade later, that's great, but don't count on it assume you are going to wind up in whatever room you book and make sure you're booking a room that you'll be happy with. All right. Staff writer, Richard Sims, as always, Richard, thank you so much, buddy. Glad to be here. You're listening to cruise radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. A big question we get at cruise radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. So Mike just returned from a sailing on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. It was a four-night cruise out of Port Miami. He went to Nassau and Coco Cay. He joins us on the line. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for uh, stopping by and giving us this review. Before we get to Freedom of the Seas itself, I want to take a couple of steps back. I know you're up in Baltimore, and it is cold this time of year, so uh, that could be one reason why you decided to take this cruise. But give us a pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this four-nighter out of Port Miami? Well, this is our 20th anniversary. We got married on the Carnival Spirit back in 01. So coming up on 20 years, we thought, what better than to take a cruise. Things have settled down a little bit for us. We felt comfortable traveling again. So we got a good rate on this and kind of booked a month out, less than a month out. Nice. So uh, from Baltimore down to Port Miami, you get to Miami. How was the, actually any uh, pre-cruise time in Miami? We came in the night before. Okay. Uh, we have relatives down there. So they picked us up at the airport and they dropped us off at the port okay. the next day. So you make your way to Port Miami. It's Terminal A. You go to Embark, Freedom of the Seas. How was the embarkation process? It was really good. Terminal A is is a new port, and it was really nice. We came in at 10 o'clock. Our boarding time was 1030. 
I expected to see people sitting outside and it wasn't that wasn't that case. Um, everybody was just kind of going in and they were seating people on the inside. Okay. So then you go, you go to the inside. Now, are they calling you by, by zone still when you get there that early, or are you basically just checking in and walking on the ship? What happened uh, beforehand was I had done the Royal upgrade and ended up getting a suite. So when we got there, I kept all that from my wife and they had a suite entrance and they had a regular entrance. So we just wandered up to the suite entrance. They scanned our boarding pass, which was on the app and let us right in. Now, what was her reaction? Like you're walking to the suite entrance and she's saying, uh, honey, you're going the wrong way. So she knows I listen to a lot of podcasts and, mm-hmm. and read a lot of stuff online. So I told her that I would read somewhere online that we could kind of sneak in the suite entrance. Nobody would notice. <laughs> and so she was kind of like iffy about, oh, this is, we're going to get caught or do something. <laughs> but when they started scanning stuff, her gears started turning and, and started asking me if I did something. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So you make your way on board Freedom of the Seas. What was your impressions of the ship? It was very different. We had traveled on uh, most of the major lines. You know, this is probably our 15th or 16th cruise. It was very wide open when we came on board. This is an older ship. I guess it was 2006 when this came into production, but just had a, a refurb to it. And it looked really nice. It was a very different than a Carnival one. There, Sort of everything was more upgraded a little more wood mm-hmm. sort of not the classic carnival more the uh, current carnival designing right and you said you actually you booked a suite on this cruise so you make your way to your suite what kind of suite did you book and what were your thoughts of it well originally we had booked an outside and they have a royal upgrade plan that you kind of submit a blind bid to they didn't notify me until three days before the cruise that we'd been upgraded to the grand suite nice so you make your way up to the Grand Suite. Now, I'm just curious, and you don't have to tell me the exact amount if you don't want to, but was it a big savings doing the bidding instead of buying the Grand Suite outright from a travel agent or from the website? Yeah, I sort of hedged my bets a little bit. I figured with low capacities right now, if there was ever going to be an upgrade, mm-hmm. now would be the time to do it. I think online it was listing for $1,200 a person, and I came in a small fraction of that. Nice. Very good. And what'd you think of the suite? Like, was there plenty of space in it? The amenities? How did it all stack up for you? It was really nice. It was probably twice the size of a normal room. The bed was off to itself. So if you took two cabins and sort of eliminated a wall between them, that's what we had. Uh, The bathroom was huge, had a double sink, more kind of a marble stuff, had a bar with an espresso machine on it, a couch, sitting area, and a huge balcony outside. Again, about double the size. What was interesting about the balcony was it had loungers and then it had a table and chairs, but the loungers had pads on them. So it made them way more comfortable than a normal lounger would. So we spent a lot of time out there. Now, when you're in a grand suite on a ship like that, are you getting any kind of um, like additional perks? I don't know, like a, a concierge service or like the Royal Genie or anything? Yeah. So this class of ships doesn't have the Royal Genie. It has just a concierge level, as they call it. Mm-hmm. And there's a cocktail hour every night that you can go to where it's an open bar, little snacks and stuff like that. You get priority seating for shows and stuff, which didn't really pan out because there was so few people. There wasn't really a need to have somebody in there. I wasn't quite sure what else the concierge was supposed to do for us. Um, so I don't know if we took full advantage of it. 
and then also you get to um, eat in the um, chop steakhouse for breakfast and for the lunch. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Very cool. Let's talk about the dining on board Freedom of the Seas. We'll start up in the Windjammer Buffet. How was that area during this startup? So we only ate in the Windjammer the first day when we got on. They sort of funnel you into that area. It was very nice. The selection was great. Uh, With the new protocols in place, you weren't really allowed to touch anything. So they handed you the plate. They handed you the silverware. They served you whatever you liked. They brought you out drinks. I kind of like this new level. Mm-hmm. I think it reduces all the touch points, but it was very tasty. I thought it was the selection was great. Nice. And how about the main dining room area during your cruise? What time dining did you have and what did you think of it? So originally we had an eight o'clock because without our kids going on this cruise with us, we were going to stay up later and do that. But on the first night on embarkation, we went down to the Mater D. Uh, I wanted to talk to him, see if we couldn't get a private table for two. Cause sometimes when you go with two people, they, lumpy with some others. They moved us to 530 because they said nobody was going to be there. So we ate in the main dining room every night. We didn't do any of the specialty dining. It was great. We we really enjoyed uh, what they had. The quality was very good. And how about any other uh, restaurants or I guess venues around the ship like, um, like Sorrento's or the Park Cafe? We went to Loco Fresh uh, one day for lunch. That was very good. Mm-hmm. Sort of comparable to Carnival's Mexican that's on the outside. Yeah. The except blue for theirs is Cantina. more geared towards tacos and stuff. So I made like, you know, grande nachos and stuff like that out of mm-hmm. it. That was very good. Um, we went to Sorrento's a couple of times at night and the park cafe we went to. What I found interesting is that they spread around sort of the complimentary food. So at Sorrento's, they didn't have just pizza they had other desserts and sandwiches and stuff like that. The same at Park Cafe, mm-hmm. the desserts and the sandwiches that are all complimentary. Very nice. Did you do room service at all? No, we didn't get around to it. We were so full from all the other food. By the yeah. time you get back to your room, you're just like, I can't handle anymore. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. How was the entertainment on this four-night cruise? There was an ice show that we went. That was very good. The production show, I believe it was called Once Upon a Time. That was very good. And then they had a comedian and a juggler. Because the cruise didn't have quite as many people on it, there seemed like a lot of open spaces. And the juggler commented on how few people were actually showing up in the place. But mm. juggling and, and that comedian weren't the best, in my opinion. Gotcha. How about uh, like venues around the ship, like uh, music or any kind of acts in bars or lounges? Yeah, we would see them as we were walking around the uh, promenade. There was people in those. They were very entertaining. They didn't really have a, on some of the ships we've been on where you can kind of just sit in an open area. Everything was in a bar or in a thing and there was a lot of people. So we kind of just kept our distance a little bit. Yeah, I hear you. All right. And let's talk about sea days. First off, what um, about what capacity was your ship at? From what I've seen online, it seemed like it was 50 to 60% okay. uh, capacity. So there was on the sea days... There was plenty of open seats mm-hmm. on the upper deck, of course, by the pool that was always congested and stuff. But if you went to the adults only section, there was open seats all around. It was it was very relaxed. Were there any spots around the ship where you maybe have thought, you know, when this ship sails at full capacity, I could see it getting kind of busy here on a sea day? Yeah, the pool area seemed like it could get a little congested mm-hmm. um, if you were at full capacity. Gotcha. 
And you went to two ports of call on this one. You went to Nassau and Perfect Day. So let's talk about Perfect Day first. How was your day there? Frankly, it was awesome. It was the first time I've been to a private island. A lot of the other ones I've been to were kind of cured, curated islands. Mm-hmm. This one had, we we booked a pass. On Black Friday, they had um, half-off special on excursions and stuff. So they gave, for the price of a half day at the water park, we got a full day at Coco Cay. So we got off, went to the water park, did a bunch of that. And then we beach hopped from there, went to the pool, took a nap in the hammock, and then had lunch uh, on shore. It was it was really nice because it was all inclusive at that point. Well, minus if you drinks or whatever. Yeah. So what did you think of the water park? It was pretty nice. Um, I'm a, an enthusiast of uh, theme parks and water parks. And it was pretty good for in the middle of the Caribbean. Um, apparently they have the largest water slide in North America, mm-hmm. long way up. You kind of just do that once. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but then we, they had the wave pools and the other rides, but it was, it was worth it. We couldn't, I don't know that we could spend an entire day there. It just seemed like maybe not enough, or we just wanted to see the whole Island. Did you do the capsule one where they, they shut you in the capsule and the bottom drops out? No, I've, yeah. I've done that at other parks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like those are always the most fun. You don't really see anything. And so we, we stayed away from that one. And how late did you stay there? I believe we got in at eight or nine and we stayed until 4.30, I believe. So okay. it was a, it was nice a good day. long day. Were you the only ship there? We actually shared it with somebody else. Um, maybe the allures of the sea. Okay. But even with two ships there, there wasn't a problem finding chairs uh, at any of the beaches that we went to. Uh, there weren't long lines to get food. It was really nice. Again, if, if it was full capacity... I guess at the water park, you could see longer lines, Mm -hmm. but I think they've designed it in such a way to spread people out to get them to different parts of the island. Your next port was Nassau. How was your day? Well, Nassau, we got a snorkeling tour for the afternoon. So we decided to get off at nine to go walking around Nassau. Everything was closed up. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a couple shops that were open. Uh, We went through the straw market and it was probably a quarter of the vendors. We've been to Nassau many, many times. Yeah. And it just wasn't quite the same. Um, so we walked around for about an hour, turned around, went back on the ship and uh, had lunch. Okay. Uh, how was the snorkeling experience? Snorkeling was pretty good. Not as good as maybe some of the other islands that I've been to, mm-hmm. but it was it was pretty decent. They took us out to a reef on a catamaran and we snorkeled around there for about an hour. Was it like a wreck, like an artificial reef or? No, it was just a normal coral reef that was out there. Gotcha. And there was a fair amount. They tend to hang out by the boat strangely enough the Mm -hmm. further you got away from the boat i don't know if they were eating the barnacles off the bottom of the boat or whatever they do but but it was pretty good nice you make your way back to port miami how was disembarkation it was as smooth as it was to get on the concierge told us to to set up a time with him we met him at a bar he walked us all the way off the ship took us down a back road sort of and took us right to uh, u.s customs where the new customs thing was in place where you just kind of look into the camera and they give you a thumbs up and away you go. They've obviously have changed their smoking policy since December 17th, but was it an issue at all as you were walking through the casino or around the casino? The design of the ship was a little bit different. You had to walk through the casino to get from one end to the other on that floor. Mm -hmm. Uh, We only did it once because it wasn't sort of in our path of, of where we're going most of the time. Um, I didn't really notice it too much. And I don't know if people had cut back on the smoking. Mm-hmm. 
or if it was just because of less capacity, I didn't notice it nearly as much. Do you have any first time tips to offer anyone either sailing freedom of the seas or going the perfect day for the first time? A perfect day. Go to the water park if you like water park activities. There's plenty of places to hang out um, and take a nap or snorkel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Royal Caribbean turned out to be pretty good. We enjoyed them so much. We'll probably go on them next. Again, just keep looking for the the royal upgrades and maybe you can upgrade your cabin. Did you have the Wi-Fi or drink package on this cruise? We did have the Wi-Fi because uh, I always have to stay connected to work. Mm-hmm. So we had that. That was really good. The speeds were really good. We were able to FaceTime our kids. Nice. Um, we didn't do the drink package. We thought about it. But then once we found out that we could drink at the concierge level, we would drink there and uh, grab a to-go to go, go to dinner. Yeah. Good uh, angle there. So looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? The biggest was the room and Coco Cay. The room was was amazing. Um, I don't know that we'll ever get lucky like that again and get that. Um, and Coco Cay was much better than I had imagined it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go back there. In fact, if they did a two-day that just went to Coco Cay, I'd do that and then skip all the other islands. So you said it was much better than you imagined it would have it would be. Do you like what did you have in your head like that? Did you just think it was going to be like okay, just a a sandy island they're going to dump us off on? So I've been on other quote unquote private islands and stuff like that, and they were never as nice as this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a little beach at some of these places, and they're very nice. But this was sort of the food was included. You know, they had a tram to take you around to get to the other side of the island. There didn't seem to be sort of a lot of upsell happening. It was really just, you're there, have a good time. Nice. And in closing here, what are your final thoughts of Freedom of the Seas? Freedom of the Seas was a very nice ship. I had to ask the concierge. She's held up very nicely for the 2006. So for an older ship, I couldn't really tell uh, being the first time. So it'll be interesting to see when we get on some of the newer ones, how much different and extravagant they're going to be. There was things that we didn't even get to on there, like putt-putt, and uh, it's it's larger than what we imagined to be, a lot more activities than we could get around to. And before we hop here, Mike, I want to ask you one question, and it has to do with like Royal Caribbean's protocols and what they're doing right now. Um, how safe did you feel during your four-night voyage? My wife is actually a nurse here in Baltimore, and mm-hmm. she felt very safe in everything that we did, the testing ahead of time, the wearing of masks. You know, you're always going to get some stragglers that that are not going to want to wear their masks. But overall, I think uh, what they were doing with reducing the touch points and the wind jammer um, and, and the constant cleaning, we felt very safe on the ship. Very good. We've been talking with Mike about his four-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas for his 20th anniversary. Happy anniversary, my friend. And uh, thank you again for checking in with us and giving us a review. Thank you, Doug. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.